Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Centering on Coronavirus podcast from the News Center. Each week, we'll be bringing you insights and analysis of how COVID-19 is progressing, how it's impacting our health systems, economy, and workers, and the extraordinary human, policy, and technological resources being mobilized to fight it. This week, we have New Center Policy Analyst Olive Morris detailing how coronavirus has impacted an often underrepresented segment of the American workforce, non-traditional workers. As we'll hear, gig workers, independent contractors, and even those whose paycheck depends on tips are all facing unprecedented upheaval and uncertainty for their future. After you listen, please be sure to visit us at newcenter.org to read the accompanying issue brief and to sign up for our email updates. Here's Olive. My sister-in-law, Catherine McCooch, is a wife and mother of three children, all under the ages of four. She and her husband, my brother, are servers in Macon, Georgia. She makes the bulk of her income from tips, which have been increasingly hard to come by since the outbreak of coronavirus. This pandemic has forced millions into unemployment and totally upended work across America. Here's Catherine, as she tells it. So my name is Catherine. Um, I work at the local Texas Roadhouse in Macon, Georgia. Um, so we went, took a vacation before uh, before Georgia's governor issued a state of emergency and like locked down the state. Um, we were out of town, and I had already taken off two weeks. So I finished my two-week vacation and then came home to the like I worked a weekend before they closed our dining room. And when I came back to work, they taken everything off the tables. So like the sugar caddies, the salt and pepper shakers, the menus, all the steak sauces, like the tables were just bare. And they wow. put like black linen cloths over every other booth so people had to remain like six feet apart. And they I think they operated like that for maybe a week before they finally closed down their dining room. Um And you just came into work one day and saw that? Yeah, yeah. I I was I had asked a few of my coworkers like what the situation was, and they had kind of sort of prepared me, but I was, it was very dramatic. Like when I walked in there, because I'm used to seeing like my job in a certain way, and it was completely different when I came back from vacation. Not only was Catherine's job different, her entire city was different. She expected people to panic buy, but she didn't expect the type of things they would be buying, like guns. As soon as the coronavirus outbreak started getting widespread attention, her handgun was stolen out of her truck. She tells me this story about trying to buy a new gun and finding the shops flooded with people. So I went to a, a gun store here in Macon to buy a new firearm, and um, they were they was really busy, and I wasn't expecting it to be busy. I remember I went to two different gun stores. Like I went to a pawn shop, and then I went to an actual gun store. And the pawn shop was packed. Like, it was full of people. Um, and I really was not expecting that. Usually pawn, pawn shops are like see like a person or two every now and again like it's usually pretty empty like it's not ever it's never full like that unless it's like a flea market kind of day or like a gun show but I mean it was pretty full and um they had the guns that I was looking for because what I was looking for was small and compact and could fit in a purse uh but I mean there were a lot of people there and then I'm gonna when I went to that pawn shop didn't have what I was looking for so then I went to an actual gun store and that gun store had a bunch of Amateurs is what it looked like. People who had never, who had obviously never handled a firearm by themselves, purchasing Glocks or looking at ARs or shotguns. Like it was, it was a lot. And I remember, like, I called my husband and I asked him if I needed to buy any extra ammo for the house, and he told me, 
uh, yeah, they see what they had in bulk, and they didn't have any ammo in bulk. They had small little boxes of, like, 22, small little boxes of 9 millimeter, but there was nothing, like, in bulk at all. And he told me that if I was going to buy ammo, the guy at the gun store said if I was going to buy ammo, I should do it now because it's being sold out all across the city. More than 22 million Americans have had to apply for unemployment insurance in the past month. I asked Catherine, had she had to? And what had that process been like? Uh, we did probably about a week after we got back from Louisiana. So about five days after they closed our dining room. And we realized that we were not going to be going back to work anytime soon. We applied for unemployment. And we still have not gotten it. So that was probably about three and a half weeks ago. Catherine then described how she reached out to her company's hotline, which was helping workers get unemployment benefits. Texas Roadhouse has like a support hotline called Roadie Support, and we were instructed by our general manager to call Roadie Support, and Roadie Support would be able to push our unemployment application further on their end to get it kind of approved or processed faster. So I remember, like I applied on a Friday, I called Roadie Support that following Monday, and then by Tuesday afternoon, I received an email that my application was processed, and I got an amount for how much I was supposed to be receiving weekly, um, which is about $200 for myself a week. Since the outbreak of coronavirus and applying for unemployment, Catherine has gone back to work, but it's different than how she left it. Texas Roadhouse is doing a curbside to go thing where you like, you can either call in an order, place an order online, and then we'll have somebody bag it up for you and then bring it to your car, which is the curbside. Or what they have me doing is I'm like, I'm working on this giant tent and a car drives through and if they haven't placed an order, but they want to place an order in person, they just kind of park off to the left and I bring them menus and peanuts and drinks and like that. And they have like picnic tables set up outside, but if you order through me and then get your food, you can sit outside and eat, but it's not a full service kind of thing. It's minimum wage, and they have anywhere between um, 9 to 19 servers working, and we all pull tips. So since you've gone back to work, do you still expect to get unemployment? Yes. My boss told me that um, they're not going to be withholding unemployment from anybody, regardless if you work or not. They say that you just cannot work more than 31 hours a week. Um, and how many hours a week are you working now? Um, my first week, I clocked in 29.75. Um, <laughs> you have such a good memory. <laughs> yeah, I, I kept up with it. Like, I even had coworkers kind of time in. They're like, Kat, you need to clock out. And I was like, okay, cool. And I would clock out, but I would still do my work so that I could, like, finish my job. But I wasn't exceeding my hours. But then this past week, I kind of got into, like, the groove of how it works now. And I was able to break down the tent outside a lot quicker. So... I think I, I averaged 25 hours last week, and then my hours were cut again this week. Now I'm down to, like, three days, and so I think this week will be about 18 hours. Why why were they cut again? Um, corporate uh, got very, very serious about, uh, I, I guess it would be, like, guest perception. Um, so, like, everybody has to wear masks and gloves, and, like, they're all mandatory, and now they're doing um, a mandatory, like, temperature check. They have to take like they have to take my temperature before I'm allowed to clock in, and then they decided that they were gonna basically take everybody who had already worked the curbside to go thing and was, had been there daily, and they were gonna split us into two groups: Group A and Group B. And Group A was gonna work, what is it like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Group B is gonna work Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And instead of doing two shifts a day, they're gonna change everybody to doubles, so we all go in at noon and we close at eight or nine on the weekend. Um, and that just that's is just in case somebody gets diagnosed with the coronavirus, 
either group A or group B, they can go ahead and cut that entire group who's been exposed. So right now, Catherine is working 18 hours a week at minimum wage while trying to sustain three children. She's acutely aware of the amount of money she's making and the hours she's worked. Something you'll come to see about her through this interview is that Catherine has a near photographic memory for numbers. She's been this way since high school, as long as I've known her. She gave me a detailed breakdown of her financial situation since returning to part-time work. I'm tired of working for minimum wage. $200 a week is like nothing. Is that how much you're making um, with minimum wage right now? Yeah, uh, average. Because I like even like the week that I worked the most hours after taxes, my paycheck was literally $123.57. And then mm-hmm. um, as far as cash tips go, you just go back every day and you, you pick up your cash tips from the day before. Right. And the cash tips average count to be about $8. What? $8. Yeah, $8. $8 a day in tips? Like $8 in cash, and then credit card tips can be anywhere between $20 and $45, depending on if people are generous. And people have been generous before. I had people, when when we first started in the whole car side to go thing, I had three ladies, like different ladies on different days, come by and leave hundreds of dollars in tips for everybody to split over a house. But people were being very generous at first. Even though we Mm -hmm. were making minimum wage, they understood that it was nothing compared to what we were used to making. Though Catherine hasn't seen any state unemployment benefits yet, she did get 3900 from her stimulus check, a financial package created by the CARES Act passed in March. This kind of money goes a long way in Macon, Georgia. I then asked Catherine if she knew about how the federal government is contributing additional funding to unemployment benefits. Also created through the CARES Act, unemployed Americans are eligible for $600 a week on top of whatever their state unemployment benefits are. Remember, when Catherine applied for unemployment, Georgia's Department of Labor reported that she would receive $200 a week. Catherine should have been eligible for a federal boost of $600 a week until July, meaning that she should be receiving around $800 a week, nearly four times what she's making at Texas Roadhouse now. Catherine, like many Americans, isn't sure when and if she's going to receive state benefits or this federal boost. Um, And so for the extra $600 a week, what would you or any server in a different state have to do to get that? I have no idea. Nobody, nobody has spoken to me about it. Um, as far as I know, none of my coworkers have, have have heard anything about it or have given have been given any kind of instruction. I know that the, all of my coworkers have applied for unemployment. And the last time that I checked the Georgia Department of Labor's website, it did mention the extra six hundred dollars stimulus check, but it didn't say like how we were supposed to get it. Okay. Okay. Um, Do you want a fun fact? Yes. Go ahead. The state of Georgia released emergency food stamps for anyone who's ever had an active, you know, food stamp card, and they were giving out about fifteen hundred dollars in emergency food stamps. Yeah. So, so you've been getting fifteen hundred for food stamps on top of it. Yes. Yeah. So I actually hadn't received benefits since January because I was finally like in a place where I did not need to rely on food stamps to buy groceries for myself, um, so I didn't renew my application. So, so this is a, a one-time payment of $1,500, yes. not like a monthly payment? No, 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 just a one-time like emergency, here's enough food, depending like approximately how many mouths you have to feed and how many kids you claimed, here's a number that we think that will provide you enough groceries for two to three months. Wow. So, and and no one let you know about this. No. You wouldn't have known about that money. Wow. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Centering on Coronavirus. 
Join us next week for another episode where we'll sit down with former National Strategic Stockpile Director Greg Burrell for a discussion on how these strategic reserves factor into our national response and what we can learn from the current pandemic. Thanks again, and be sure to visit us at newcenter.org.